to the show, guys. I'm Travis Took, and in this episode, I'm going to be talking about the top seven ways to master jujitsu or any skill. But before I get to that, since this is the first episode, I wanted to just tell you a little bit about myself, my background, and kind of why we're starting this podcast and what the what the intention is. So, um, really, the idea of starting this is mostly for our student base here at Team Took, is just to offer an additional source of education and information and really inspiration for their journey to continue on martial arts. So all the Team Took students out there watching, which I believe in the beginning will be mostly you guys, this is for you, this is for us to just share with you our knowledge, what we've learned along the way, and to pass that information on to you. And hopefully, uh, as time goes on, learn a little bit more about doing this since I've never done it before, uh, we can build a little larger audience and and uh, help even more people. My background, I started jujitsu when I was 16 years old. I had a friend who rented the first UFCs and I was immediately drawn in to how effective the jujitsu was when Hoist Gracie was fighting and beating all the bigger guys. I was just amazed. Before that point, I didn't have much direction in my life. That's not unusual for a teenager, but when I, if I'm honest and I think about how life would have turned out had I not found jujitsu and martial arts, I have a very hard time placing myself anywhere else but teaching and living this lifestyle. Up to that point, I came from a background where we had very low income. We we lived in a trailer park my whole life. My parents divorced when I was 11 years old. It was a pretty nasty divorce. A lot of unpleasant verbal abuse and violence in the household. Um, not as bad as what you you know, might hear on the news, but certainly not the best start. Challenging upbringing. By the time I was around 13 or 14, I had found weed, marijuana, and that was kind of my everyday activity for a couple of years. That's what I looked forward to. School was not a priority. My grades were barely passing, and I just kind of lived day to day. But when I found jujitsu, I it, it really was almost, I won't say overnight, but within a matter of months, my perspective about the world and life and the potential uh, that it could have really changed. Because now I saw something that I was very passionate about. And before that, I had a view of, okay, well, I don't come from a background of high income, don't have great grades, not going to have the money to go to college. My thought was maybe military and hopefully just some sort of uh, income as I got older, you know, how I'm going to survive. When I found jujitsu, it completely changed. It it excited me and inspired me so much that all I wanted to do was train and get really good at this. And luckily, I had a little bit of a knack for it. Um, I think part of that was natural. Part of that was just the passion of of wanting to do it so badly. And I tell people all the time, when you find that passion, you you have to explore it because whether or not you think you have the skill set or the opportunity to make that fit into your life in any way, you owe it to yourself to really venture into it. Um, you know, some people, they're really drawn to music or they're drawn to art. And many times those fields don't offer an opportunity to make an income, but it doesn't matter. It's, it's your life. And if it's something you're passionate about and you love, you, you have to do it. You have to put some time aside to 
explore and make that a part of your life. And if you're, you know, if, if things work out and you can make a living doing it, then that's even better. So once I found that uh, everything, you know, had a lot more meaning and I started training all the time, my, you know, my parents and even some family members were concerned that that's all I wanted to do. Um, my school grades didn't improve that much, but they did enough to pass just because I was now in a better place mentally. I felt inspired to be a better version of myself and and live a cleaner lifestyle, knowing that that would directly and positively impact the jujitsu that I was now training. By the way, back then, the the landscape around here for jujitsu was almost nothing. My instructor was a blue belt at the time, and there were about five or six white belts that would show up to class on any given day. It wasn't like now where there's just black belts everywhere and you can, you know, have your pick of who you who you train with where on any given night there's going to be blue belts through brown belts or black belts on the mat just as training partners, let alone an instructor. So, but it didn't matter because it was something. It was still access to the new world that I had found. And I would watch videotapes. There was no YouTube back then. It was VHS cassette tapes. And I would just watch those and I would learn whatever new techniques that I could, would compete in tournaments when they had those. Uh, Fast forward a couple of years and I had the opportunity to go live in Brazil. And uh, at that time I was a brown belt. I lived in Brazil for one year. That's where I got my black belt under Carlos Gracie Jr. When I returned, and since when I started at the beginning, by the time I was 16, 17, it was when I first pondered the idea of having a school and teaching one day. Because I, I started teaching at the school so least martial arts where I was training at and I would teach there, you know, on occasion. And I really enjoyed that too. It was a completely different way to explore the art. It's one thing to practice the moves and to, to demonstrate and execute them in a competition or in a sparring match, but teaching required a different type of understanding. You had to be able to not only verbalize and break down the techniques that you were explaining, uh, but as time went on, I realized, too, there was, there was an emotional component. It took me years to understand that students don't learn the same way. Everybody's brain's wired a little differently. They're not all going to learn the way that you learned. And so you have to pay attention to their body language and their response. And I just find that fascinating. Even to this day, as I, as I train, I see people that learn different ways, and I see some people are, are sensitive when they don't get the technique. Some people are overly aggressive and they go too hard. And there's all these different elements that you have to work with when trying to help a student get better at the skill. So uh, I always loved teaching, even from a very young age. That's when I started contemplating the idea of maybe I could do this for a living. Maybe I could teach this one day. So when I was living in Brazil, um, didn't have a smartphone or friends or anything, you know, in the beginning, I had just a couple of books that were uh, martial arts business related. I remember I would read those every night in addition to studying Portuguese because I I knew I wanted to learn the language when I lived there. Um, But the, what I'll say is the desire to want to master the skill of jujitsu and to become a competent, effective instructor led me on a path of education that I never explored while I was in school, ironically. School just didn't um, 
excite me that much. And I think part of that was just where I was at emotionally as a as a child and young teenager, like a lot of kids are when you're going through those hormonal changes. You're just you're just a mixed bag of emotions and and um, things weren't very stable on the home front. So um, so school wasn't an exciting part of my life. And now that I'm not in school, I find myself reading three to four books every month because I'll compare it to jujitsu. It's like when you're at that high blue and purple belt level, there's a sense of you kind of know what you're doing. You feel pretty confident in yourself and your, your ego tends to be the most inflated around that belt level. And by the time you get to black belt, your horizon has expanded so much that you now are painfully aware of everything you still have to learn. And I, I try to approach this way with my own continuing education. I feel like the more that I learn and read, the more I'm like, wow, I, I really don't, I really don't know very much about, um, about anything, even though I know more than I did yesterday and every day before that. So I think that's an, an important concept to embrace early if you want to if you want to become great at anything, whatever whatever your hobby, your passion, the skill set you're pursuing, the job, whatever it is, you've got to be learning more and more about that because the idea that you reach the end is sort of like the idea that you that you have perfected jujitsu. It will never you'll never arrive. You can become a master at something. That just means that you have a very high understanding and skill set. But to this day, I was just telling students the other day in class, I've been doing jujitsu for 22 years. And this last year, I feel like I've really gotten better at the X choke from the mount. Well, that's a move I learned the first week of doing jujitsu. And I understand it better just in the past several months or year than I did all before that. Well, how can that be if that's a basic move you learned at the beginning? It's because there's more... There's so much more to learn within those finer details. Um, anyway, so let me get back on track. So 2000, late 2004, I, I earned my black belt in Brazil. Uh, in March of 2005, I returned from Brazil. I was there about 13 months. And I started Team Took Mixed Martial Arts Academy out of my dad's garage, which was a 20 by 20 foot space with no air conditioner, uh, but a, a friend of, a mutual friend of my dad's and he did martial arts had a mat that was 20 by 20. It fit perfectly. So that was the first school, just the garage. There was no restroom. You had to, you had to go in, in the house, my dad's house. And I never forget because in the kitchen, he had this big cage with a Python snake, like a pet. I he inherited it from a friend. Um, so in starting my new business, at that time, when a new student would come to try out the, the school, they would have to park in the yard, they would walk into the garage, do class, and any time during the class, if they had to use the restroom, they had to walk out of the garage, was not connected to the house, about uh, 30 feet uh, through the kitchen back door, uh, through the kitchen where this python snake cage was all set up and then down the hallway to use the restroom. So not ideal conditions to say the least for starting a business. But, um, I, I knew that this was it. This was really the only place I had to start and I wasn't going to do anything else. Um, and then over the years, 
uh, was eventually able to build up a dozen students or so, moved to a smaller school. That school, I moved to a place where I actually had to pay rent. And that school, the rent was approximately what my um, gross earnings for my combined student count were at the time. So it's sort of like I can move in, but if I lose one student, I'll be in trouble. And if I gain one, I'll have an extra 80 bucks or whatever, you know, I was charging at the time back then. And um, but luckily made that work, grew that, uh, moved to a bigger place, uh, combined with a judo school, grew that. And this whole time I'm reading and learning, you know, business um, ideas so that I can start to apply some of the ideas that I learn and eventually moved to a bigger place and then... Um, in 2016, I uh, was able to buy an acre of land, build this 8,000 square foot building, and now we have approximately um, 275 students. Um, and that's not to brag, because if I had known what to do, I could have done that so much faster. But you have to work with what you have. You know, in the beginning, I didn't have uh, 10 black belts to practice with on a regular basis. It was just, It was just a matter of maximizing your the tools that you have at your disposal and I really maximized that pretty well in the beginning because although I had to drive almost an hour to the train location and didn't have uh, a lot of black belts or there just wasn't a lot of jiu-jitsu in Texas at that time uh, Carlos Machado was the first black belt in Texas and when I was 18 I actually moved up there for you know for four months to train but um but what you what you lack in resources, you can really make up for in just the grind of the effort that you put into it. I was training six days a week, many times twice a day in the summertime. I was in school, you know, in the beginning part, but in the summertime, I was going all the time. I was able to wrestle in high school. My senior year is the first year they had a wrestling team that fed and supported the jujitsu because there, there's so much that you can take from wrestling and apply to jujitsu. So the point here is just, you know, whatever you have, wherever you're starting, that's what you have and be happy it exists. Don't complain that things aren't perfect because they're not perfect for anyone. And I actually find it to be an advantage that it wasn't that easy in the beginning because you have to become resourceful. You have to learn to adapt if it's given to you too easy and then later you find that it's taken away through just a combination of events that throw you off course your emotional resilience to setback will be pretty low you've it, it it's always better to have to struggle to get to where you're at and just talk to any great uh, athlete, champion of any sport, very successful person. There's very few that had everything given to them and everything just worked out and they're happy, you know, well put together people because of their good luck and fortune. That does exist, but there's always struggle along the way. And if you're starting off with, in a place where you're starting off, you know, with very few resources, smile because that's Good, because it's going to make a better story when you do get to the place that you want to be. Um, so, again, jiu-jitsu just gave, it gave me a life that I, I never imagined even existed for kids like me 
growing up and it changed my worldview and it opened up my mind uh, in a way that I'm now find myself very curious and and very engaged in every new thing that I learn, even if I suck at it. Like I'm 38 years old now and I'm, I just started uh, playing guitar. I played off and on for a while and now I'm trying to take it more seriously. And having gone through the process of white belt to black belt and knowing the difference between being a beginner and then being somebody at a very high level, I'm painfully aware of how uh, how much I suck at playing the guitar, you know? But it's fun. It doesn't matter. It, I also understand the formula of how to get really good at something. And I know that, yeah, it's not going to be, I might not ever be like a master at it, but I enjoy it. That's That's important. And the process of consistent dedication towards something is going to lead to where I'm going to be a little better every day and eventually pretty good. And so uh, it's fun. You have to keep exploring new things and learning new skills as you get older. So anyway, guys, I'm going to wrap this up, but I know you're waiting for my top seven um, ways to master jujitsu or any skill. So I'm going to present those to you now. Um, Number one, and a lot of these are going to seem obvious, but I want to elaborate on each one. So maybe throw in some thoughts that you hadn't considered before. Find the right school and mentor. This is pretty obvious, but many times we we don't pay close attention to that when we are searching for a school. We come into a school, we have a good first day, and then that's it. And it's very important that the school is equipped to grow along with your needs, It's also important that your coaches and mentors have your best interest in mind and that they genuinely care about you, the person, not just about you, the competitor or you, the paying member, but you, the human being who is trying to improve their lives uh, through martial arts training. Martial arts is not just learning fight moves and learning how to defend yourself. It's not just about competition. It's not just about following the rules of the academy and the bowing in and and all of that stuff. Those are all great and wonderful and important. But you need to leave each day feeling like you're a little bit different of a human being, that you've challenged yourself in a way that you can now understand who you are as a person a little bit better and perhaps even be a better individual in your community, to your friends and family, to your society. So uh, make sure that your connection with the school and your mentors and coaches um, is the right one. The second one is practice every day without excuse. You need to put in time every day with your skill set of choice. If it's, if it's jiu-jitsu, you need to practice every day. Now, what do I mean by that? Do I mean you come to class Monday through Sunday and you practice every day? No, because that's not practical for everyone. Many schools aren't open on like a Sunday or even maybe a Saturday. I don't mean you have to put on the uniform and show up to class every day. I mean, every day, part of your day should be dedicated toward improving that skill set. So if it's your off day, then an active recovery um, where maybe it's a, a light jog in the park or, or just a long walk or a, a light exercise, something that keeps your body mobile is going 
to benefit your jujitsu because like any sport in jujitsu, your muscles get tight and injuries can happen when you don't properly stretch. So an active recovery day where you're not in the classroom might be yoga class or just a day of stretching. Um, if you can't, if you're, if you work a job where it requires you to be on occasion at the office for like 12 or 14 hour days and you're not getting any exercise or anything done, but you got a five minute break and you can watch a video uh, from one of your favorite competitors who plays a game that you're trying to get good at, that counts too. That's mental training. You're absorbing information and then when you take it to class next time, you can attempt those techniques and try those and be more mentally engaged. So there's no excuse for not doing something uh, every single day, even if it's not being in class. Um, the third thing I want to talk about is practicing outside of your comfort zone. This is a big one because as grapplers, martial artists, we tend to find what we're good at and design our sparring sessions around getting into those positions. Now, for competition, this makes sense. You, you should go out there and execute your game plan. But for growing and getting better... Getting outside your comfort zone is just as important as mastering your comfort zone. You want to make sure that you can rely on different games and different strategies if your plan A or plan B doesn't work that, that um, the way that you want it to. So a good example is, um, and not a technical example, is when you're tired, right? When you're tired... Do you try to rest and make a full recovery or do you sometimes get out there when you're not quite fully recovered and see how well you can play then? Okay. Everybody can play at their best when they're fully recovered, but what happens to your technical level when your muscles are fatigued, your strength is gone, your wind is gone, and you can only rely on your fundamental techniques, right? Um, so consistently being outside your comfort zone, what that does is it, it actually sets the bar, uh, up higher of where your comfort zone is. You can handle more and more. You become more and more adapted to the stresses of that environment. And pretty soon you're comfortable almost everywhere, right? So play outside of your comfort zone. Uh, the next one is be deliberate with your practice. If you show up to practice, but your mind is somewhere else, you're not going to have an effective practice. You're not going to make the most out of the techniques that you go through. Uh, I tell my students all the time that if you're in on autopilot while practicing technique and drills, just waiting for the sparring, because that's the fun part, then you're not really improving your skill set. You're, you're waiting for the sparring to make your skills better. You're, you're basically waiting for the sparring to get your drills in because you're not deliberate with the drills. What I mean by that is every repetition that you perform should be a little bit tighter, a little bit better than the last repetition. If you're drilling 10, 20, 30 repetitions in a row and every single one of them feels the same, you think about it the same way, you didn't modify or change anything, you're not being deliberate with your practice. You're just going through the motions, right? So being deliberate with your practice means you're really going to look at and analyze every technique that you're drilling that day, searching for ways to make it better than you did last time. Um, sometimes students get bored when they review techniques they've already learned. 
I used to do that. I was really guilty of this. I was like, man, I learned this when I was a white belt. I'm a purple belt. What am I doing learning this technique? And ironically, now as a black belt, most of the techniques that I rely on, I learned very early on in my training. I've just uh, looked at them in in a different way now. Now I understand them as a professional as opposed to somebody just trying to rack up a lot more techniques. And there's nothing wrong with learning new techniques. It's very important. You should be learning new variations of techniques as long as you're involved in jiu-jitsu. But the assumption that you really got something down that you've mastered a particular move and you don't need to drill it anymore is a faulty one. You you want to make sure that you are deliberately looking for ways to improve every technique you do, whether whether that's uh, you know an advanced barambolo uh, back take or just a close guard. Uh, hip bump sweep, right? How can you make that even better? The next one is, uh, and this, these two kind of go together, but this is to explore a greater understanding of the fundamentals, right? If you look at jujitsu, there are tens of thousands of moves, all the different variations, but most of the submissions come from a handful of real basic positions, right? And if you break it down, there's only X number of joints in the body that can be manipulated in a way that forces a submission. And every choke is just a, a matter of cutting off the blood supply, you know, to the brain. A lot of submissions that you see in, in high level world championship competition, like Abu Dhabi just happened this weekend. And, you know, we saw like, um, you still see rear naked chokes, triangle chokes. You know, you look at the world championships, you see a lot of bow and arrow chokes and, arm bars, knee bars, right? So the basic point is like, how can you get better at these fundamental positions? How can you get so good at holding the mount position that it's nearly impossible for anyone to escape? Right? I look at some of the some of the greats like Hodger Gracie, you look at Salo, Shanji Hibero, uh, Lovato, you know, these these guys, their their games are are somewhat i won't say basic because it's not basic at all but they are fundamental in nature they're getting to these positions with pressure and accuracy and um, if you can explore the fundamentals of the game make sure that those are really really tight and always looking for ways to improve that then that's only going to support your elaborate game so if you like to pull open guard, if you're a spider guard person, if you're a De La Hiva person, it doesn't matter. You're still trying to get to that point where you can submit somebody. So um, so that's the next one. Uh, after that, I put trust the process. Jiu-Jitsu class is not going to feel rewarding 100% of the time. You're going to have days where you feel like, man, I was garbage today. Like I I got tapped out by everybody. I feel like I went backwards somehow. Um, My body hurt. I was tired. You know, jujitsu is emotional. And that's why I love it because it's not just about getting in great shape or learning the moves. I mean, you learn who you are on the mat every day. You'll realize where you're emotionally less resilient than you ought to be when you get tapped out and those tears kind of swell up in your eyes because you thought you shouldn't have tapped to that person or you usually tapped them and now they caught up to you and you don't like the way it feels. I mean, people quit for that. I mean, some people they quit because they, cause they lose and it's, it's ridiculous, it's childish, but I, I understand it because I've been in that position where I've had those days 
where I was like, man, I don't like, oh, I, I suck today. And, and you just everything you've done up to that point goes out the window temporarily because you're just stuck in your emotional state at that moment. And um, and that's OK if you've been there like that's normal. I think I think most people, they might not admit it because they talk about all the positivity of jujitsu. It's like, oh, it makes you stronger and you have to be humble and respect your opponent and and shake their hand and smile when you get tapped out. And those are all great pieces of advice but the reality is you are your you're going to be you on the inside you have to face your emotional self and if you allow that to get the better of you then you might you might quit too early before you really become great or you become cynical about the process and you just you don't give your all you come to class expecting to lose or you you'll you know, you, you got to watch the language that you use. You start coming in and, and saying things like, oh, yeah, I totally suck at jiu-jitsu. Oh, I suck today. Or I, I didn't do any good. Everybody taps me out, this or that. Wherever you are, you have to trust that if you're putting in the time, the effort, and you're bringing a positive mindset with you in spite of all these setbacks, you will be a black belt one day and a damn good one. It doesn't mean you'll be a world champion black belt. I mean, that's not, not everybody's going to get to that position, but the process of getting to black belt is being, is consistently doing jujitsu for a long uninterrupted or mostly uninterrupted period of time and sticking with it until you reach that level. Um, But you have to have this mindset. You have to trust in the process and know that every time you get tapped, you actually got a little better. That every bad day is a, a very normal, natural part of your personal evolution. You cannot just have every day be better than the last. You have to have setbacks. You have to have losses in competition. You have to have, uh, you're probably going to have some injuries that keep you from sparring or competing as much as you like on occasion. That's no reason to to throw in the towel either. It just means you have to modify it. I had a herniated disc in my back from an old injury when I was a kid. It came back to haunt me when I was 23. Actually, when I was living in Brazil, it started hurting. And when I when I moved and I started teaching my dad's garage, it it just totally busted. And for two and a half years, I was in miserable pain, off and on miserable. It was either bad pain or miserable pain. And I dealt with that. And it was very depressing. I was really down because I had no money and the school was going nowhere because I was in a garage trying to make it work. But I always brought... Um, I always brought the right attitude to teaching and to class. And I still got a lot better during that time. In fact, I think being injured is some of the best opportunities to improve because you're physically limited. And now you have to find ways to make your your limited set of movements work in a match. So everything can be viewed uh, in this positive light if you adopt this attitude. And the last thing I want to say on this is just to... Smile and enjoy the moment. And a lot of people talk about this, but far fewer embrace the idea. If you're a jiu-jitsu student or a student of anything that you're passionate about, consider yourself blessed and lucky that you found anything that inspires you enough to put work in to, toward mastering it. Because not everyone finds that. Some people never find it. Some people never have the opportunity because they grow up 
uh, in a society or in a country that won't allow it, where poverty is so bad that they're literally just trying to survive. And now you found something that inspires you and makes you want to be great. So when you're getting tapped out, when you're having a bad day or you have an injury or when you feel like you're, you're at that plateau and you're not really progressing, trust in the process and force a smile. Okay, smile and and understand that you've stumbled upon something rare, which is passion for something you love and opportunity to chase it. So um, I hope uh, I hope that helps you. I hope that maybe inspires a few of you to um, put some of this effort into your next practice. I hope you enjoyed this talk today. I'm, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to doing more of these and into uh, the interviews that we that we're going to have with a lot of different people. I have a lot of big plans for it. So make sure you continue to tune in, listen to these, share them with your friends and your other fellow martial artists. And until next time, have a great day. Hey, thank you so much for watching. If you enjoyed that, please be sure to like and subscribe to this channel. Also, don't forget to share this video with somebody else. Thank you.